Carrie Lake and her campaign has contended that she won the election for governor of Arizona in 2022 over Katie Hobbs. Her charges have been aired in a number of trials, none of which to date has supported her contention. She's leveled charges at numerous officials, both in the recorder's office and among the Maricopa County supervisors who share responsibility for running our elections. Recorder Stephen Richer has fired back with a lawsuit. This is unusual, but so are the types of charges she has leveled at Richer and other county officials. Stephen Richer is here to discuss the lawsuit and associated issues. From KTAR News, this is The Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. It is unusual, as you put it in your introduction. Is it unprecedented to your knowledge? I assume you, some of your lawyers or somebody's looked at that. Among election officials in Arizona? No, no, election, I mean, in, uh, bigger than Arizona. Somebody's, uh, you know, election officials charged with, you know, you're basically I... alleging libel. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in election administration prior to, let's say, 2018. And yeah, so this is quite pretty, possible. Pretty invisible business. But uh, this looks like any other uh, defamation lawsuit filed mm-hmm. by a government service. And I'm sure analogous, similar situations, of course, we were going to cite to a lot of those, mm-hmm. have been leveled by government officials. But uh, we're in a whole uncharted territory in terms of election administrators. And so it is quite possible that this is fairly novel. Now, there were. Two ladies in Georgia who sued both Newsmax and Fox. Um, These were the uh, Moss, I believe her name is, and they've settled for a significant sum of money. And so they were elections officials. They were election workers. uh, So not elected. Right. They were were charged uh, with stuffing ballot stuffing ballot boxes in the Georgia Convention Center. Mm -hmm. And so and in fact, uh, Ruby Moss, I believe, was one of the Mm -hmm. ladies names and she received an award from President Biden and they had their whole lives turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And so they sued some of the media companies that were promoting these false conspiracies, as well as Rudy Giuliani. And I believe that some they have settled, some they are still proceeding. And I think that they have been so far quite successful. My guess is that there's one big difference. If they were just election workers, they probably did not get classified as public officials. That's probably right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't looked too deeply at that case, but I would imagine that is the, the, the distinction between mine and theirs. Now, the the facet that mine has that makes it somewhat unusual is that we have had these exact allegations that Carrie Lake has made against me have been tested in multiple courts of law. And so, you know, when you talk about something like discovery, I would almost argue that we don't even need to do any discovery because the falsities of these claims and the constructive knowledge has been borne out in the public through two Two trials with multiple evidentiary days, the Court of Appeals, the Arizona Supreme Court. And so if anyone in the history of defamation should be on constructive knowledge, uh, constructive notice about the falsity of their statements, Mm -hmm. it should be she. Let me let me dissect that a little bit if I could, because there are two elements, one of which only applies to public officials. One is, were the statements false? Did they hurt you? That's libel. Yeah. Right. And that's a basis for in, for ordinary citizens. If somebody says something about it's false and it hurts you in a measurable way, you can sue them for that. You as a public official, and I assume you're not 
shying away from the fact that you are a public official. No, I'm not public, shying your away public from the figure, which, yeah, which, I'm, I'm here in right, your studio. <laughs> which means that they have you have the additional burden of proving malice. And it's my understanding the way you prove malice is to prove that they either knew it was false or had every reason to – had no reasonable basis right. for believing A reasonable up. person. Now, it is – a little bit of a question as to whether or not we would be judged by that standard and whether or not we would be judged by commercial speech. Because keep in mind that she has been fundraising millions and millions of dollars off of these defamatory statements. But yes, under that rubric, that is the traditional rubric and the rubric under which we assume we will proceed or at least have framed our complaint under that framework. Um, and, and you're right. We do have to show – uh, but in this instance, it's easy to show that she should have known that these were false statements because, again, these were the same exact claims, among others, that she made in multiple court appearances and that no court of law has found any evidence for. In fact, quite the contrary, that I've said that these are without substance, without substance, without evidence. And so, uh, again, she should know based off of that without us doing anything. Of course, any that's after the fact. Right. In other no, words, because the she's made all the statements since mm-hmm. too. She's made those statements and continues to make co- those okay. statements. You know, today okay. we had a book published in which mm-hmm. she reproduces those statements and mm-hmm. makes those statements again. And I, I, hardly a week goes by now without her making those. Statements. So it's so it's continuous, not just what she said in the immediate aftermath of the election. She Absolutely, continue. and in fact, I would have had some. I, I, it would have tested the limits of my patience, but I wasn't thinking in the immediate aftermath of the election that we're going to file a, a defamation action. Mm-hmm. But really for me, it was when it continued into the new year, when it continued past her election litigation, when it was so readily clear to her or should have been readily clear to her that these were false statements that had been granted their day in court and they had been adjudicated as categorically false. And yet, even despite that, she proceeded to continue to make these truly heinous statements that were false about me. And so at that point, I said to myself, well, this isn't going to stop through the Norton normal course. Um, She's not going to say, oh, gosh, you know, I guess we lost in court. Better stop saying these things now. Clearly, that had little or no impact. Now, um, could you talk for a moment what the part of what you will at some point have to show is what his harm have you incurred? Could you elaborate on what the impact has been on you? In our complaint, which is over 50 pages, we include dozens of threatening statements from some of her supporters who will latch on to these false statements made by Carrie Lake and then will use them as provocation for attacking me, attacking my family. And that's manifested in all sorts of things. Yes, lots of comments to the effect of you're a traitor, but also very explicit comments about how they're going to kill me. Um, These statements have interrupted my Work life have interrupted my personal life, have interrupted my wife's work life, have interrupted her personal life. We've had to go under security protection at various times. I am now the victim in two different federal proceedings for charging these people with criminal acts who who made these statements or made these actions against me. Uh, Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so one of them has already pled guilty to. Uh, one count of threatening interstate communications in relationship to some of these false uh, false accusations regarding the election administration. 
it sounds like you're basically the same kind of stuff that Bill Gates has been. A lot of it. I mean, he is just for the record here is the chairman of the county board of supervisors or was and has announced a that he's not going to uh, hold for reelection. And and he described much the same. He's had to have personal security in his case, moving out of his house. Right. Uh, Uh, He's gone through personal hell and I have as well. And then there are political implications. Certainly, she has certainly poisoned the well in certain Republican circles Uh, regarding my name. She has portrayed me as not only somebody who has committed unlawful act, but somebody who has betrayed the country, the state, my oath of office. And so I would imagine those people who believe everything that Carrie Lake says do not think of me charitably these days. Mm -hmm. And that has an implication on my professional aspirations Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my political aspirations. Nobody should have to suffer that for something that is false. And so that's something, too. We've uh, taken certain security measures that have incurred Mm -hmm. costs for us. And so, you know, like I said, not just me, but my family as well. And then, of course, the though this is not part of my lawsuit, but it has had a profound impact on the elections team as well. And so um, we've had people who have dropped out of the elections community. We've had workers who carry guns now when they didn't previously because they've been harassed. And so my experience is dramatic and is – very important to me, and it's the basis upon which I'm suing, but this is certainly by no means limited to me as a result of false statements. Yeah. This strikes me as something that – I mean this could be a seminal case in terms of kind of the court's ability to deal with limits on free speech. You know, the, the, we, so we have free speech, but that's not unlimited. The, you know, right. the offsided thing is you can't cry, cry fire in a in a crowded theater. In other words, you can't do it. Can't be it. Can't be something that does harm. Yeah, and and, and the courts have usually had broad latitude for mm-hmm. political speech, and mm-hmm. I celebrate that for those First yeah, Amendment you don't, protections. You don't want public officials to feel. Somebody running for that there's things they can't say because at a hairpin turn, they're going to get sued. Of course. So on a daily basis, I have Mm. people saying things to from we think you stink to we think you're ugly and you're a traitor. And Um, that's normal speech. Yeah. We're not not going around suing those thousands of people Mm. who have sent those messages as a result of what Carrie Lake is saying through, you know, various Mm. platforms. Uh, We're suing instead – with, with respect to two very specific statements in which she accuses me of doing specific unlawful things that have been adjudicated by multiple courts and have been shown to be false. And so, yes, I do think that this case is important because if you were to rule in her favor, you would basically say there are no limits. I can say to a public official that that public official, I don't know, drinks the the blood of babies and I would have no basis for that. And not only that, but a court would say, well, actually, your political person there doesn't drink the blood of babies. And then nonetheless, I would still proceed. And so really, are there any are there any limits or can you just proceed at will and and, and proceed at will, not just because she has a theory, but because she is profiting off of this, profiting in terms of financial donations, profiting in terms of promoting a book, profiting in terms of getting the speaking requests from all over the country and even sometimes throughout the world. And so, you know, here I am waiting for her to find a new passion after 
you know, dropping out of news media, then running unsuccessfully for governor. And I assumed that, you know, in the months following into 2023, she would find a new career. But I, it soon dawned on me that I was the career and profiting off of the of my reputation was her new her new profession. What are the two specific? You mentioned two specific allegations, things that she said that that are the basis. Of, what are those two statements? They're, Paraphrase they're, they're, they're so laughable that uh, you know the, the the courts, of course, rejected them. And anyone who knows a little bit about election administration would say that's not even reasonable. But she uh, alleges that I inserted. 300,000 unlawful early ballots into the process. You know, we haven't pointed out a single one of those or shown how, uh, you know, that was not a fake voter or that was a fake voter who sent back a ballot. I don't even know where she's going with this. But needless to say, this doesn't even survive a motion to dismiss at the uh, trial court stage. Which is, and to explain that, which is if you, if a if an she allegation is no so basis, unsupported. In fact. in fact, she had one uh, one. Uh, in one of her cases, they said, well, there's at least something here that we can at least have a trial on. Right. And that was one case and the, the trial would how – many, how many separate lawsuits has she engaged in to your knowledge over, so she, over the election? Well, quite a few. There was the election contest which was specifically contesting her loss in the gubernatorial contest. And so that had a trial court stage that had a three-day evidentiary hearing. Then she appealed it to the Court of Appeals where she lost 3-0. Then she appealed it to the Arizona Supreme Court where all claims were affirmed except for one which was remanded to the trial court to be held to have an ev- another evidentiary hearing. She had that. She lost that as well. And now she's appealing that again. But she's also filed claims um, just as a, a resident of Arizona. For instance, she filed in the federal district court recent or in maybe about a year ago saying that we couldn't use tabulation equipment or any computers in the administration of elections and that we have to use – we should have to use all paper ballots. Well, as we pointed out and the county pointed out, we do use all paper ballots and the rest of the claims were so completely spurious and without foundation or without any sort of legal argument that the judge in that case actually recently sanctioned the attorneys who filed that $122,000. And that's the other thing that we really have going for this specific defamation claims is the courts have already found in numerous instances that she will color outside of the lines considerably and she has been sanctioned not once but twice by the Arizona Supreme Court and by the Federal District Court for the District of Arizona. And getting sanctioned as a plaintiff and having your attorney sanctioned is a very rare occurrence in law. So if you at all were responsible in alleging your facts or alleging your theories, you would not get sanctioned. But again, she has shown a recklessness that is also present and that we will point out in my defamation action. Is this – how different is this – from what Mark Fitchum has been filing in court, has his actions been fundamentally different from hers? He's been alleging different things with respect to the election, but this is somebody who lost by what was it, one hundred twenty thousand votes to to my predecessor, mm-hmm. and is still banging on about how he should be the uh, the rightful Secretary of State. And so, you know, I, I think uh, again. Uh, Anyone who looks at these things for just a little bit of time would know that that's just sour grapes. And uh, unfortunately, it's being played out in our court system, which is you know where it should be played out. But it's also it's, – it's being destructive because it's using the court system for an improper purpose and it's taking this hallowed space and it's filling it with filth. And so that's why I'm 
pleased when I see some of these judges reprimanding both the attorneys and the plaintiffs, as they did in Mark Fincham's case as well, where the attorney representing him was also sanctioned and I think was penalized, you know, something to the tune of $50,000. And so I think we need to see more penalties like that or else our courts will become flooded in 2024 with this nonsense litigation that amounts to just uh, sour grapes. Where do you think this goes? I think it goes through a prolonged civil litigation process, Mm -hmm. and I'm hopeful that in the end that my damages can be compensated in Mm -hmm. some fashion. The the bell will never be unrung. Mm -hmm. There will always be people who listen to Carrie Lake and will forever think that I'm a bona fide criminal. Well, that's the essence of libel, isn't it? I mean, 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 the fact is if somebody makes totally made up wrong, false things – there's always a no matter what you come back, there will be always a residual of people who will believe it yeah. and that's the damage. Well and so the notion that I can mm-hmm. be made fully whole is I, I think fanciful mm-hmm. because there are always going to be, because of her defamatory statements, people running around the state of Arizona thinking that I should be on America's most wanted mm-hmm. uh, as a criminal. That breaks my heart. Um there are some reputational damages that can be compensated in some small measure and we are going to demonstrate those damages in in court and we're going to ask for compensation for those. So it will be a lengthy, drawn-out process um, and I just hope that ultimately we get to say like the truth still matters Mm -hmm. and there are limits to what you can say about somebody who has done nothing wrong and, you know, she's going to be uh, liable for that. Now, uh, if I – from reading the news reports, I don't recall seeing a figure. So you haven't cited a monetary figure. No, is that correct? we will introduce experts who will talk about reputational damage. Mm-hmm. We'll show some of the costs that I was that I bore as a result of needing security. Some of the measures that we took at my home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some but of those no. you had to endure personally. Yes, yeah. yes, and so uh, we'll we'll demonstrate those in court. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have not cited a specific figure. But again, you know uh, this. Uh, Sort of, I think some people have said, "Well, isn't this doesn't this put you in a good situation because you can, you know, win seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars just like um, Dominion did against Fox in its defamation lawsuit?" And so, you know, I don't think Carrie Lake has seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars, but also I, I just can't tell you how much it saddens me that people of my party, people of her party, have been turned weaponized against me and I will forever have lost their good opinion uh, because of these defamatory statements and that 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 really saddens me. What uh, – just to some framework, do you have any idea how much money she's raised post-election? Which And post-election means raising money essentially off of the election fraud challenges. Uh, absolutely because that's what's in every single one of her email correspondence mm-hmm. but it's at least $5 million. Mm-hmm. And so now she has a dark money um, vehicle as well, the Save Arizona. I believe it's a C4, and so they don't have to disclose the funding. But she does have to disclose funding for her candidate committee and then for any PACs as well. And then should she choose to run for U.S. Senate as she has teased, that would, of course, become public as well. But uh, you know, a, a number of news media outlets have picked this up and they've presented this sort of – 
unheard of phenomenon where a candidate's actually raising money at a greater rate after the November election than she was prior to it. And it is because uh, these these claims are very visceral and there's something intrinsically attractive about them that you, you tell these people who aren't going to dig into the nuts and bolts of election administration that something has been fundamentally stolen from you. And it's these two people, oftentimes she would put her faces, the face of my face and Bill Gates's face up on a screen and almost sort of sending the troops this way. Mm-hmm. These are the people and that's alarming. And I've had I've had a, a writer for the Washington Post contact me after he was attending one of those events and he said, I'm concerned for your safety. And so, uh, you know, uh, it's alarming. and it only, ta- it only takes one nut to hear that message and take it somewhere scary. And we've seen plenty of instances of that. And like I've said before, I live a wonderful life. I'm not a shrinking violet. But I that doesn't mean that I'm not entitled to the same protections of the law uh, as any other person. And when something has been stated demonstrably false – that is knowingly false, that has been proven to be false in multiple court scenarios, and yet she proceeds because it is in her pecuniary benefit, I should be able to sue on that and put an end to that. And that's really what this is about for me, is putting an end to these statements. Every single time she releases something, we have a trickle-down effect, where then people who hear her translate that into, I need to send something scary to this criminal who is doing this or I need to show up this at this criminal's event and say something awful or heaven forbid, as has happened before, I need to find who his wife is and I need to do something at her workplace. And so That's, that gets even more scary, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's not something that uh, I don't think she signed up for as the first lady recorder um, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So what does this say about – She has a lot of people within the Republican Party who are buying this. She – well, if you look at the entire top of the slate in in the last election in Arizona, they were all election deniers elected by majorities or pluralities within their own party. Also, every one of them lost. What does this say – and that that suggests that's a harm to the Republican Party in terms of electability. But I also I look at these two factions of which you are a, kind of a typical representative of the traditional conservative. Brian Kemp, bas- Doug Ducey, John McCain, uh, yeah, all, all John folks. Kyle. And then you have this other group. It's sort of the MAGA, for want yep. of a better term. Um, I don't see how you can ultimately coexist in the same – that's not a viable party. That's, well, that's a, I don't know about that because the Republican Party has always been a coalition and when the Soviet Union existed, it made it easier to have a harmonious coalition because we could all agree that the social conservatives hated the Soviet Union because they were atheists. The foreign policy conservatives hated the Soviet Union because they thought they were looking to be a world hegemony and the fiscal conservatives hated the Soviet Union because they wanted to, I don't know, make everything – to collectivize property or something And now like you that. have the, this MAGA element, which includes a lot of white supremacists who like Russia because they're, they're reflective of that. Are, are the party's sort of minority opinion on Putin's Russia mm-hmm. is very intriguing to me. And I think that there – I think uh, many people have said that Ronald Reagan would be turning over in his grave if he heard that we were supposed to yes. be siding with uh, sort of this new Soviet mm-hmm. Union rather than with – 
a democratic state of Ukraine. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about where but, Ronald but Reagan you, would be on that. You are the successor to your wing. Well, I'll success, take that. I'll successor take that. to Reagan. They're not. It, it, it represents a radical departure from traditional Republican values. Well, but to your previous question, Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia, Mitch McConnell, the top Republican mm-hmm. in the uh, in the U.S. Senate, have mm-hmm. said, we are not going to be supporting candidates who are fully consumed with looking backwards because that is not a formula for success in places like Arizona. And so uh, and uh, that's been borne out. And so, well, not a lot of places, but nowhere more dramatically than Arizona. And so what we need to ask ourselves is what's important to us? Um, fealty to a few select people's grievances and their egos or fealty to conservative values and winning elections and responsibly governing. And if the latter is where you are, pretty soon you're going to have not just a democratically controlled U.S. Senate, democratically controlled governor, attorney general, and secretary of state as has rarely been seen in the last 50 years in Arizona, if ever – but you're going to have a pre-1955. Yeah. We were a democratic yeah. state, pre, but you probably weren't born. <laughs> pre, pre, uh, pre, pre-Goldwater, pre-Goldwater. Yeah. Yep. No. Um, but you'll have a democratically controlled state legislature, and then I think that will manifest in ways that are not consistent with somebody who, like me, who you know, values so strongly, you know, a, a friendly regulatory environment, mm-hmm. a friendly tax environment, and so, uh, you know, unfortunately, that introspection hasn't been happening in in magnitudes within the Arizona Republican Party. Um, there's Because if you deny that you lost, and if you say the only reason we lost was because we were cheated, then you can't begin the self-questioning process of why did we lose? What can we do better? And so, you know, I, I find it funny that actually the guy that I beat as a first-time candidate when he was incumbent just trounced Mark Fincham for Secretary of State, but nobody's coming to me saying, you know, well, how did you beat Adrian Fontes? How, what can we learn from that? Instead, you know, some people in that camp, the, the Kelly Ward camp, are lining up to say, well, you're a bum sort of thing. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I bear it as I can. I just got to offer it. I, I had a kind of a, a wonderful moment in here when you were in here with him in between segments and and I heard you guys sort of talking about how you can work together in oh, sure. your in in doing your functions of government not politically but uh but uh that was just a heartwarming moment to me to know a- Adrian and I have worked well in his together in his first now 7 months as secretary mm-hmm. of state he and I view the role of government in society very differently we even view some matters of election policy differently, as you teased out in that segment. But we want Arizona to do well. We want Arizona voters to have a positive experience. We want the laws to be complied with. And so we're on the same team now in terms of serving voters. And, this is uh, old-style politics where you, you vigorously compete for votes. You have your differences. But when, when, when that's over, you sit down and work, roll up your sleeves and work together. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have accused me of being leading the Adrian Fontes fan club in 2020, <laughs> but then he did a very mature thing at the time when other people were contesting their losses or disregarding mm-hmm. their la- losses. He uh, maturely handed over the reins mm-hmm. 
And look, uh, and Frank, I want to add, you had an opportunity to take a free swipe at him about the uh, 20... 2020 election, election which every, he ran. Yeah. I had every incentive. Every political to lie. incentive, yeah. But um, there are some lines in the sand. Mm-hmm. And again, when we're talking about lines in the sand, we all realize that a bit of hot air goes on in politics. But lying about a stolen election isn't something beyond hot air. Lying about saying that I did criminal activities in the 2022 election. And that I'm part of, you know, this this criminal enterprise to do the most heinous thing of rigging our elections is another thing where that's beyond the normal hot air of politics that gets into something that is uglier and needs to be stopped. And that's ultimately why I'm filing this defamation action. Fair concluding statement. All right. Uh, Stephen Richard, thank you for your work. And by the way, Carrie Lake is welcome to come here. No conditions. And say her say whatever she wants on the think tank. Mike O'Neill here. You can reach me at MikeO'Neill.org. Uh, we'll see you next week with another show.